Hello, and welcome to the Professional Horror Podcast, the only podcast that refuses to put out a top 10 of the year list on time. You can't make me. And by that, of course, I mean I can't make me. If only my brain could comprehend that tasks exist before their deadlines, I wouldn't be watching Curse of Crom and Day of Disappearance on New Year's Day. But here we are. But after all, waiting until later means that I am older and therefore wiser, so you can trust that this list is going to be top tier. Uh, so this was a weird year for horror. I mean, it was a great year, don't get me wrong, as usually it is, but definitely a strange one. Typically, my top ten list has a lot of Shudder movies, one or two studio movies. I actually went back in the four years this is jesus christ this is my fifth year making a top 10 horror movies of the year list it's kind of crazy to wrap my head around but in the past four years i actually looked it up i have a pretty consistent three studio wide release horror movies on my list a year one year i did four but it's never been above that and it's a lot higher studios be cranking out the hits this year because usually and then i usually just you know fill it out with some wacky out there movie that no one's ever seen or cared about but this year studio horror was cracked like so many great movies came out in theaters this year which we love to see good studio horror means we get some bigger budgets and bigger names but it also means it's more in the mainstream you get more acknowledgement more respect from the general public which is always a plus for our little horror world we live in because that means more we get more of the good stuff unfortunately on the flip side i didn't really find like a great hidden gem movie like i usually feel like i do like i i always i always say in my list i don't put a, a movie on my list to be you know different and fun and i mean last year i was like and not like other girls but i just i do it because i i find i typically go out of my way to find some of these wacky underseen movies and i usually find at least one or two that i'm just like man this movie hits this is just checking all my boxes and i went looking don't get me wrong, I watched a lot of movies, and I kissed a lot of frogs to find that movie, and I just couldn't really find it. It was very strange. So my list is probably not as bombastic and weird as it has been in previous years, but that doesn't mean the films on them are any worse. If anything, like, narrowing this list down to a top 10 was like a Herculean task, because I saw 62 new horror movies this year or for the year of 2022 which was an all-time record for me and a whole hell of a lot of them were good enough to find a spot on this list and as always uh at the after i run through my top what i'll do is i'll run through my top nine my honorable mentions and i'll also i mean not i'll run through the first nine on my top 10 then i'll run through honorable mentions then i'll mention all the other movies i saw this year so that there's no like hey what about that movie it's like well if i don't mention it i didn't see it and I, you know i couldn't see them all wanted to so according to my quick math uh, calculations there were 320 horror movies that came out this year and i basically i, I figured that out because uh if anyone hasn't found it already john squires from bully disgusting has a twitter page called the horror calendar which every time a horror movie comes out and at any point in the year it'll tweet out to the title the premise i mean uh, the synopsis where it's streaming and a trailer for it hugely useful resource i got to see about according to calculations 20 percent of the horror movies that came out this year so there's tons and tons and tons of movies that i never would have had a chance to see if i, I mean this is my most i've seen in a year and it's just there's so many mo movies so you know go check them go fill fill your heart to the brim with horror movies and you're gonna find a lot of good stuff so i mean i can only ac account for what i saw so but what i saw was a lot of really good ones so let's not waste any more time and let's crack on into this list we're gonna start off this list with number 10 which is a tie because i am a cheating cheater who cheats uh, only at but only at things that are not 
not at all important. Num my number 10 picks are a tie between X and Pearl. I knew from basically the start when these movies made my list, because I knew they were going to make my list because they were amazing, but I just knew that I was going to keep them as one entry so we can, you know, talk about more movies. That's what I'm all about. Love talking about these movies. So X, X has a 6.6 .6 out of 10 rating on IMDb and a 94% approval on Rotten Tomatoes. It is written and directed by Ty West and starring Mia Goth. The premise of X is a group of actors sets out to make an adult film in rural Texas under the noses of their reclusive hosts. But when the elderly couple catches their young guests in the act, the cast finds themselves in a desperate fight for their lives. X was so much fun. It was it was a movie I was just flat out not expecting uh, because you know I've I have a fickle past with uh, a twenty four movies. Sometimes it's just like they just they just don't connect with me sometimes. And Ty West is a similar kind of thing with me where I felt like a twenty four and Ty West was a match made in heaven, but I didn't think it was going to be a match made for me personally because as much as I I do like House of the Devil and the Innkeepers, I haven't seen uh, the Sacrament. I have not seen this, the Sacrament, but I, I like those two movies, but I don't love those two movies. So I did not expect X to be as amazing as it was. And then when I saw it, I was just like, holy shit, this movie's so good. Mia Goth, of course, obviously is amazing. Uh, Jenna Ortega, Kid Cudi is in the movie. They're every, everyone in this movie is amazing. But I remember when I was describing it to a friend, I was just like, this is like one of the crunchiest movies I've ever seen. Like it was the, the violence was just so intense and it was like, you could feel every single thing that happened. It was a great story. It was some great effects. It was some great performances. I love that. You, you know, I'm a sucker for creature features. So that uh, alligator in the pond, love that. Absolutely amazing setup. But yeah, I, I was just not expecting X to be as good as it was. Kind of completely blew me over. I was just blown away by it. Um... Do I have anything else or am I just going to keep talking in cliches? No, I don't think so. Coupling that with our other half of the line, number 10 pick, is Pearl, the prequel to X. Pearl has a 7.0 out of 10 on IMDb and a 91% approval on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, directed by Ty West, written by Ty West and Mia Goth, and Mia Goth stars in it. The synopsis for Pearl is, Trapped on an isolated farm, Pearl must tend to her ailing father under the watch of her mother. Lusting for the glamorous life she's seen in movies, Pearl's temptations and repressions collide. Pearl was interesting because like X is a very straightforward horror movie. And I, I liked it. I liked the simplicity of it. I liked how contained it was. I just thought everything about it worked. And then Pearl kind of goes in a vastly different direction while still feeling like it fit. I feel like it toes the line just right of being something totally different and feeling like it belongs with X. Like X feels like a weird like slasher, like Texas Chainsaw almost, but not really. Uh, whereas Pearl feels almost like a dark, twisted Wizard of Oz story. And it's it's one of those things where it's a movie that like lives and dies off of Mia Goth's performance. But with a performance like that, uh, you're not going to die because she's absolutely incredible in this movie. Some of the scenes, like the scene with their mother when they're arguing in the house with during the thunderstorm it was just so visceral and intense this is that amazing nine minute long monologue it's just absolutely crazy the, the audition scene is intense it, like everything mia goth does in this movie is amazing but i also think it's some it's important to give credit to people like uh, emma jenkins pearl who played mitzi i thought she was also really good because she she was playing so much more down to earth and like stereotypical like girl next door in comparison to mia goth's character Andy Wright as the mother Ruth was fantastic. Also, I feel like I need to point out how absolutely amazing the very end of this movie is. Obviously, no spoilers. This is not a full-blown review where I would be going into this kind of stuff, but 
the, the setup, the the you know it's coming kind of ending, and then just seeing Mia Goth in that ending. I remember I was actually laughing in the in the theaters. I was like, this is such a fun time. This is like a movie that's just having a blast, and I thought it was fantastic. It's just it's so weird that these two movies were made within one year. Gotta give massive props to Ty West and and the crew for just putting it all together like that. It was insane, and actually used the pandemic problems by setting it during the last pandemic, the Spanish flu. Gotta give a lot of credit to Ty West. I think he really knows what he's doing. I think he's a fantastic director. And yeah, these movies, I'm putting them at number 10 combined just because how different they are is kind of, it's strange, but I just love both of them and I cannot wait for uh, Maxine to eventually come out. I think sometime next year or the year after, I'm excited for that. So that's why they are my number 10 movies this year. Both X and Pearl are available to rent on VOD and also DVD. You can buy them on DVD, Blu-ray, and all the other things. Number nine. My number nine pick is a Korean film called Midnight. Midnight has a 6.4 out of 10 rating on IMDb and a 100% approval on Rotten Tomatoes. Midnight is directed by Kwon Oh Seung and starring Jin Ki-joo and Wee Hai-joon. I'm terribly sorry if I mispronounce any of those names. Uh, Midnight is about a young deaf woman and her mother battle with a serial killer after they accidentally interrupt one of his kills. A deadly game of cat and mouse plays out across the city as the women try to stay one step ahead of their pursuer. Uh, this is a movie that definitely came out of nowhere for me. I just kind of, I saw the trailer for this and I was like, man, this looks really cool. It's kind of like Hush, but on a, I don't want to just immediately compare it to Hush, but I know a lot of people are, but it's a movie that uses a pair of main characters who are deaf and puts them in a disadvantageous situation and see how they'll be able to survive. And I thought it was just so, it was so intense. It was so cool to see. I think what really elevates this movie, part of me, you always have that conversation when you see certain movies, right? Is this a horror movie? Is this a thriller? And what I think really steps over that line, for me anyway, is the serial killer in this movie. Played by uh, Wee Ha-joon from, I think he's in Squid Game, but I never, I never saw Squid Game. I'm sorry, guys. But the character he plays is absolutely terrifying. It really is what elevates it, I think, to a straight-up horror movie. The way he's able, his character is able to manipulate situations. The sadistic nature which he stalks his victims and how he messes with their head and how he does the games he plays really, I think, uh, are fascinating to watch. There's a lot of really cool chase scenes, really cool fight scenes. This movie is it's an action-packed and it's just really fun. I mean, I don't know, fun maybe not be the right word, but it was just a really cool viewing experience. There's some scenes where some of the characters have to make some very tough choices because while he's pursuing the two the the deaf uh, woman and her deaf mother there's another woman at play who is at risk is at danger is bleeding out and her brother's looking for looking for her and there are certain scenes where he has to choose between whether or not he wants to find his sister and help these two women and the, when the two women are technically in that moment in more danger and the way the killer sort of manipulates situations again is so interesting especially like when there's there's certain scenes where it happens in public and there's something so terrifying about being surrounded by people and being isolated and i think this movie really nails that vibe perfectly and that is why midnight is my ninth pick for my top 10 horror movies of 2022 midnight is available for free to watch on tubi and several other free with ads st- style streaming services like voodoo and stuff like that and i'd highly recommend you guys check that out number eight my number eight pick is the menu the menu has a 7.4 out of 10 on imdb and an 89 percent approval on rotten tomatoes 
Uh, the menu is written by Mark Mylod. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Written by Seth Rice and Will Tracy. And it stars Ray Fiennes and Anya Taylor-Joy. The menu is about a young couple travels to a remote island to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish meal with some shocking surprises. If you guys have listened to my podcast before, you guys know two things I absolutely love are wacky, ridiculous horror movies and Anya Taylor-Joy. You you know I'm a sucker for Anya Taylor-Joy. But this movie is not on the list simply because of Anya Taylor-Joy, even though she is spectacular in this movie. This movie is on the list because it is one of the most fun movies I saw this year. There's a certain... I feel like it's disjointed, but not in a negative connotation, you know what I mean? Where it's segmented because it's meant... It's the, the, the framework of the film is meant to be like how a very long course, you know, fancy meal would be. It's broken up into chapters that are of each course of the meal where something different happens in each one of those and while on the whole i don't think the movie is terribly scary it is incredibly funny and it is kind of like a certain movies are this sort of like let's watch someone triumph over evil let's watch someone fight forces of bad but because they're so good they triumph and we root for them other movies are kind of like hey what if a bunch of terrible people got their comeuppance (laughs) and it's just it's really fun to watch when a movie is sort of like in on that joke, I guess. There's so many memorable moments for this. Anya Taylor-Joy, of course, at the end is amazing. I mean, she's amazing to the whole movie, but specifically her sort of speech at the end, the Tyler's bullshit scene, and oh my god, that cheeseburger looked so good. Such food porn. The Brown University joke had me rolling. I was alone in the theater when I saw this, and I was just laughing my ass off, having the time of my life. Uh, it's definitely a weird film. It's definitely like an, it's outside the box in certain aspects because of like i said the chaptered nature of it but i had a blast with it and would highly recommend you guys check it out the menu currently actually as of today i believe is available on hbo max and um will soon be on i'm assuming soon will be on dvd blu-ray vod the whole the works the whole nine yards you guys know what we're doing here number seven my number seven pick is hatching uh hatching is boasting a 6.3 out of 10 on imdb and a 92 percent approval on rotten tomatoes this is a finnish movie so again forgive me for the pronunciations I apologize. It is directed by Hannah Berkholm, written by Ilya Ratsu, and starring Siari Sololina. Hatching is about Tinya is a 12-year-old gymnast who's desperate to please her image-obsessed mother. After finding a wounded bird in the woods, she brings its strange egg home, nestles it in her bed, and nurtures it until it hatches. The creature that emerges soon becomes her closest friend in a living nightmare, plunging Tinya into a twisted reality that her mom refuses to see. I actually, literally going into this recording, I had Hatching lower and I just executive decision moved it up. There's something about it, man. I really enjoyed it. It's it's um not a particularly subtle film, but I thought it was really fun to watch. I mean, I watched it because I was getting a f- uh, free Hulu trial to watch a couple of the other movies that I watched this year, a couple of them that made this list, actually, or one other that made the list, one other that made honorable mentions. And I was like, well, while we're here, let's watch Hatching. And it was really good. It's just, um, it's, it's a, it's a fun movie for exposing this sort of, there's a very specific type of like perfectionist mother kind of thing who running through this, where she's running a YouTube channel about the perfect, like Finnish family. And, you know, meanwhile, you look just under the surface and you see a controlling manipulative woman who is damn near killing her daughter for the sake of perfection, housing a son who is borderline a sociopath and a husband who let's just say has come to terms with his uh, status in their relationship. But as the movie goes on, you see Tinia is just experiencing more and more pressure, more and more 
hardship from her mother. There's a scene where literally she messes up on the double bar gymnastics routine where she lands on her feet and the mother is like forcing her to do it until she gets it right. And you can see in later scenes that this is how psychologically damaging this has become to her where she can't even like show off for like someone else who's just like, hey, wow, you did gymnastics thing. Good. Wow. Great. Where she can't even do that without doing something over and over again, risking injury. You can just see the sort of like psychological torment that's been going on her entire life where this mother has essentially sacrificed her family on the altar of perfection. Again, it's not a very subtle movie because literally the movie opens with like this raven or this crow coming in and shattering that sort of sense of perfection. And then Tinia goes out and found that it has laid an egg and she brings it in and continues to grow that sort of disruption within the household. And it's it's really cool. The practical effects for that bird creature, holy crap, that was awesome awesome but the relationship that tinia has with this bird that she named ali or ali one of the two is really interesting and also gotta give credit it's a 12 year old finnish actress sari who plays two characters technically in this movie it's really impressive but she's taking on she's sort of nurturing and growing this this bird that she found in the woods that she feels guilty for its death even though she managed to catch it totally humanely in a, in a blanket and her mom just kind of snaps its neck but it wasn't fully dead it's, it's really it's basic storytelling done very well and it's a weird coming of age story it's kind of like a whenever i talk horror movies and coming of age stuff it's always gender snaps but that's not quite what we're going for here actually I, that's actually a really good one it does kind of feel almost like similar to the witch where it's not coming of age in a rebellious fuck you kind of thing it's, it's like a almost like a cracking under pressure coming of age but yeah it's thought it was amazing it's available to watch on hulu for those curious but yeah hatching is a great a great time a great movie and i recommend you check it out on hulu once again though that bird creature chef's kiss my compliments to the to the special effects chef next up speaking of hulu exclusives next up we got number six my number six movie is prey Prey is uh, rated a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb and a 93% approval on Rotten Tomatoes. Prey is directed by Dan Trachtenberg, written by Patrick Asen, and starring Amber Midthunder. The synopsis is, A skilled Comanche warrior protects her tribe from a highly evolved alien predator that hunts humans for sport. Fighting against wilderness, dangerous colonizers, and this mysterious creature to keep her people safe. I fucking love the Predator movies. Predator franchise is the best. Well, I mean, second to Aliens as far as sci-fi goes, but as a franchise, it actually might be better than Aliens, but Aliens is my favorite movie of all time. I don't know. Who's who's counting? But I love Predator. Predator 2 is a lot of fun. I think Predators is highly underrated. Predator, the Predator, eh, maybe a little less so, but I still play Predator Hunting Grounds all the goddamn time. It's a really fun game. I love the Predator franchise. So that's why I was really bummed when they were like, the next one's coming out as a Hulu exclusive, and I don't have Hulu because these streaming services are all the worst, but I, I did it. I watched it. I watched it in the Comanche dub, and this movie is amazing. I thought it did a fantastic job of sort of mirroring Naru's journey with that of the Predator. They're both finding their footing in this world, trying to make it as a hunter, trying to prove themselves, because the feral Predator, as he's been, that's the name of the Predator, he's been and dubbed feral predator which he very much is they make it very clear that if it's not the predator's first hunt on earth which i know they say in the marketing it's the predator's first hunt on earth but who knows how true that 
is. Because for all we know, they're going to do another prequel where it's like Caveman versus Predator, which I'll watch. I'll watch them all. But they really do a great job of showing that this is the pre this Predator's first time on Earth, and he is learning. He's watching the natural habitats he's in. He sees rattlesnakes. He sees wolves. He sees the day-to-day -day life forms on this planet as he's observing them. And you can see him, him sort of growing in his excitement for hunting on this planet. There's an awesome scene where he, while cloaked, kills a, a bear and like pulls it over his head and like rips it open and like bathes in bear blood. It's like coating him so you can see him even though he's cloaked. So badass. The fight scenes in this movie are amazing. The scene where the predator is being attacked by French trappers, so good. Oh my god, that's amazing. But nestled under all that is a very interesting story about Naru, a Comanche Native American, who is also trying to find their way. They want to be a hunter, but she's not respected. She's not taken seriously as a threat. They just kind of dismiss her and she wants to be a hunter so she's looking for that kind of respect out in the world she's tracking with the guys and she wants to be able to find her first hunt by fighting a uh, mountain lion it seems like is the first thing on the chopping block i mean it's one of the first scenes in there and then when she notices she's the first one to notice there's something else here which of course is the predator and she wants to face down this predator and the the fight scenes again between her her and the other native americans her and the french trappers at some scenes so cool also the dog have we mentioned the dog sorry or sari amazing such a good girl the bestest little doggy it's it's one of those weird things where like is prey kind of just mulan with a predator sure but Mulan with a Predator sounds awesome, and I am thrilled we have it. I want more of this kind of realm. Forget overarching narrative and, you know, lore for Predators. I mean, I'm fine with more lore, but, like, just keep doing this for Predator movies, not, like, a overarching story type that, you know, teases for sequels. Just give me Predator versus Samurai, Predator versus Vikings, Predator versus Pirates, Predator versus Old West Outlaws. I don't care. This, you know, this is what I want. I think they've really stumbled upon a very interesting formula, which is telling smaller scale character journeys with a predator. That is just sounds like a really great formula for, for me, at least. Prey was a ton of fun great character journey, a great dog, and a great predator character story as well. We don't usually see a predator going through like a progression like we do in this movie, and I appreciated that. Prey is available on Hulu as well, so you should check it out. That leads me to number five. My number five film is Scream, the first movie I saw in 2022. Uh, Scream has a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb and a 76% approval on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Matt Bettelini Open and Tyler Gillett, written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick, starring Melissa Barrera and also, of course, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette. The Angela Ortega is also in it, too. The synopsis for the new Scream is... 25 years after a streak of brutal murders shocked the quiet town of Woodsboro, California, a new killer dons the ghost face mask and begins targeting a group of teenagers to resurrect secrets from the town's deadly past. Uh, Scream was a lot of fun. It's one of those sort of double-edged swords where I, I imagine it's a tall, tall task to step into Scream's shoes once worn by the late, great Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson, who no longer makes movies since they're out with Wes. I'm pretty sure he said that was why. To step into that role and try to make something in that vein. But I think they absolutely nailed it. This movie's amazing. From the opening scene, which gives uh, Roger L. Jackson, they gave him something to do, some, some acting, some voice changing on 
on his own, which I thought was really good. It really came through very well. And the everything about it, there was like there were so many amazing setup scenes. The the um, suspense that was built in the Judy scene with Judy and Wes as they're being stalked. The opening scene was very fantastic. The hospital scene, oh my god, the hospital scene's amazing. And it all boiled down to an ending that I thought really resonated. Especially you know, we, I don't want to spoil it, but let's just say there are certain things said in that final act that feel like they'll never get old they will always be relevant because someone's always going to make is always going to say and do things that make those comments relevant but yeah i don't think i have much new to add to the scream discussion it's amazing i love it i can't wait for scream six and maybe i'll I'll probably review it at some point of the podcast and i loved it that's why it's my number five movie on my list and scream can be viewed all the vod places on dvd and blu-ray i got my copy my dvd copy from a red box for two bucks so it can be found next up number four my number four pick is nope Nope has a 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb and an 83% approval on Rotten Tomatoes. Nope is written and directed by Jordan Peele and stars Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer. The synopsis is, A man and his sister discover something sinister in skies above their California horse ranch, while the owner of a nearby theme park tries to profit from the mysterious otherworldly phenomenon. This is a weird one, man. Like, I thought Get Out was a masterpiece, and I thought Us was, like, really annoying, because, like, the there's... I don't want to litigate my thoughts on Us right now, but, like, there's a certain scene at the end that I feel like completely shatters all of my good feelings for Us. I feel like it just gets a little too big, and when it starts giving answers the answers sort of break down the world in a bad way i'm not a fan of us so i kind of came into note being like man i wonder you know is this a trend is it going to keep going in this sort of weird direction or was us the outlier and i saw no but i'm like holy shit this movie's so good i was blown away by nope i thought it was so interesting that this movie is very much it's it's one of those weird things i, I was telling my friend nicole that uh one of the weird things about nope is it's one of those pretentious film school things where like to say it's it's kind of like about filmmaking you know makes you sound like you know a freshman film student but at the same time it very much is it's about spectacle it's about you know people who chase spectacle it's about people who want to control that want to present it want to you know share spectacle it's all that stuff steven yoon's character is a fantastic example of that i mean i heard some people say after the fact steven yoon's character was and his whole storyline seemed pointless and i uh, could not disagree more it's very crucial to the direction of the plot and i thought it was actually very very well done both on a writing level and a performance level and this sort of different story where it's even though lives were on the line a movie about trying to find and capture something just was it was such a fun experience it was it was a movie that like i felt in the theaters like wide-eyed i was just like oh my god what am i watching this is this is fun this is why we go to the movies it's one of those cliche things you know what i love about this movie is that it's a movie you know that kind of thing <laughs> it does kind of feel like it has an air of sky jaws to it but Jaws is one of the best movies of all time so you're not gonna hear me complain which by the way if this is sky jaws we have Earth Jaws and Trevor's and Sea Jaws is just Jaws. When's Fire Jaws coming? I'm just saying. Hit me up when that's a thing. But yeah, I thought Nope was a wonderful time. It was a fantastically plotted movie, fantastically shot movie. The fact that they shot it day for night absolutely blows my brain. Like, how do they even do it? I'm mesmerized by what they were able to get on screen and the character depth 
behind Stephen Yoon's decisions. And I know some people thought Daniel Kaluuya didn't do a great job. I, again, completely disagree. I think his overly subdued performance was entirely on purpose and a very good decision on his part. And of course, Kiki Palmer was amazing. Everyone's been raving about her for good reason. She was fantastic. It's another one of those movies where I don't think I can add much to what's already been said, because a lot of people have been talking about Nope in various ways, but I think it was amazing. Loved it. Recommend it to you if you would like to see it. And for some reason, haven't seen it. And for some reason, they're waiting on me to say yes or no. I mean, I don't know. Fucking, it's good. Uh, it can be found on DVD, Blu-ray, and all of the usual VOD suspects. Next up, number three. My number three pick is Smile. Smile has a 6.6 out of 10 rating on IMDb and an 80% approval on Rotten Tomatoes. Smile is written and directed by Parker Finn and starring Sozie Bacon. Smile is about, after witnessing a bizarre traumatic incident involving a patient, Dr. Rose Cotter starts experiencing frightening occurrences that she can't explain. As an overwhelming terror begins taking over her life, Rose must confront her troubling past in order to survive and escape her horrifying new reality. There's a lot of movies on my top 10 list that just kind of surprised me. And this was, I think, Smile was a movie that caught pretty much everyone off guard. We were all like, this looks kind of weird. Like, what? Okay, I guess I'll watch it. It'll be a, probably a fun throwaway studio horror movie that we'll all watch once. Be like, hey, that was fun and move on. And then when we everyone watched it, we're all like, holy shit, this movie's actually really fucking good. I also want to call out another movie where the practical effects were going nuts. There's, there's one effect in particular towards the end where I saw it and I was like, holy shit, this is gorgeous. Who made this? And then the credits rolled and I saw Alec Gillis and Tom Woodruff Jr. And I was like, ah, of course, these guys making another amazing movie that's a shocker but yeah the uh the movie itself was also but it was not just an effects spectacle even though there was a lot of great effects it was almost kind of like if it follows came out in the early 2000s because it's it, there's a little bit more like mean-spirited kind of nature but not it's not mean-spirited but it's it's a little bit more like nihilistic i guess than a lot of movies that come out these days i don't know there's something about early 2000s horror that has this sort of wacky thing that i was kind of referenced as an aesthetic but yeah i love the story i love the um wrestling with this creature i guess you could call it demon that is a representation i mean it's definitely to my reading it was definitely a representation of sort of mental illness and perpetuating the trauma cycle which you know just because it's not subtle doesn't mean it's not good i definitely just enjoyed the hell out of this movie it was a very long movie i didn't i was surprised it's two hours long or just under two hours long yeah i just i have nothing but good things to say about smile great performance by sozie bagan and uh kyle galliner as well was also really good in this movie some of the ways the creature manifested itself it was very chilling some very chilling scenes and also it wasn't even just the the scary scenes where i thought it was good how the story progressed in a normal like on, on the human level was also very interesting how there's one scene where dr cotter's uh, husband literally ambushes her with her therapist it's just like it's insane to me it's, it's one of those things where it was so terrifying there's a there's a certain thing in some horror movies where it's kind of like uh i've always i've always talked about this when it comes to like weirdly goosebumps night of the living dummy series where it's like a, a good person gets their life ruined through no real fault of their own and this definitely has a, an air of that because when someone's going through something like this and no one believes them it just kind of makes it all worse and it sort of spiraled down and it's very chilling to watch like usually like i said usually like a movie that's fun this is not a fun movie it's a highly interesting movie and a highly cool movie but you would not describe it as fun and yet i still think it knocked it out of the park at everything it was accomplishing or trying to accomplish i i thought it was really good so smile is available again blu-ray dvd 
all the VOD things, and you should check it out. Number two. My number two pick is Deadstream. Deadstream has a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb and a 91% approval on Rotten Tomatoes. Deadstream is written written and directed by Vanessa and Joseph Miller and starring Joseph Winter and Melanie Stone. Deadstream is about a disgraced internet personality tries to win back his followers by live-streaming himself at an abandoned, haunted house. When he accidentally unleashes a vengeful spirit, his comeback event becomes a fight for his life. Uh, I loved Deadstream. It is so much fun. Um, my friend Nicole, uh, on our last episode, the horror quiz show, plugged it really hard, and I can't agree with her enough. I thought it was amazing and hilarious, and it was it was such a movie. It was such a fun movie. Found footage when it's done right can be absolutely fantastic of a genre. A horror comedy found footage movie. There's just so much you can do, and this is like Evil Dead Two, but with a, a weird YouTuber influencer shtick, and I just could not have loved it more. It was so much fun. the uh, The fact that the the live chat is available as uh, is there at certain s- scenes. The different camera angles he plays with the behind the scenes sort of stuff where you know he's canceled and he's trying to make his comeback and he's doing his youtube video and all the youtube effects in it the you know smash that like button all that stuff just rang so so true it's so funny i could not get enough of that stream i'm gonna watch it again pretty soon honestly that's a blast of a film and also uh, not only that the performances were really fun joseph winter was fantastic he played it well to the point where it's like you could see why people would watch this guy but know that he's not a great person where there's sort of a bit of like he gets by on his charm but he you, it's it's hard to it's hard to marry those two things but i thought he did a really good job and melanie stone was also really funny she's also in vhs 99 she was really good in both those movies but yeah deadstream was a blast of a film highly recommend it it's probably the most fun movie i saw this year the only other ones i can think of might be like the menu and scream maybe but yeah um it was a blast i i highly recommend checking out deadstream and you could find deadstream currently only on Shutter. Before we do my number one pick, as always, let's hit these honorable mentions. My honorable mentions are Hellraiser. I thought Jamie Clayton was fantastic in this movie. I've never been super into the Hellraiser franchise, but I think this movie really does a lot of good things. VHS 99. I've seen, I think, all the VHS movies that made me VHS viral. And this one was impressive because I don't think there's a single bad short uh, segment in this movie, which is hard to do for an anthology with all different directors. So it's very impressive. Orphan First Kill. Orphan First Kill takes a ridiculously fun horror movie and does a ridiculously fun twist to it, and I thought it was a lot of fun. An Ideal Host, an Australian film that, again, my friend Nicole, I think two like a year or two ago, texted me about because she saw it at a festival and was like, you need to see this, and it was a lot of fun. It takes a while to, to get to the good stuff, I guess, but it's a very funny, like, Australian outback kind of vibe to it, but there's a lot of, there's this funny characters in awkward situations that is very interesting. My Best Friend's Exorcism, based on the novel by Grady Hendrix, who I'm a big fan of. A lot of people were down on this movie. I, I don't, I'm not sure why. I kind of really liked it. I don't know. It's, I, I'm a sucker for a movie about friendships as opposed to like, you know, love interest stories. And I think this one was, was doing a lot of fun stuff. The Black Phone. The Black Phone was a very intense, very cool movie. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Glorious. Definitely one of the wackier movies I've seen this year. Similar to how I said Prey 
has a mirroring storyline between antagonist and protagonist, I feel like Glorious does this as well in a very interesting way. Sissy, similar to Deadstream in, in the fact that it's about an influencer in a not ideal environment, but uh, in a much different kind of context. Sissy was very was a very cool movie. Also a movie about friendships, but maybe slightly more toxic ones. And finally, for honorable mentions, Terrifier 2. I'm going to take a quick moment on Terrifier 2 because I really didn't like Terrifier 1. I thought it was really, like, mean-spirited and just not in a fun way. It was just kind of like watching terrible people die. But again, not like the menu where it's like where it's all laughing at the terrible. It's just like there's a certain balance you have to hit where you need to care about the people involved in some way in order to care what happens about them. And I feel like Terrifier 1 had a disdain for its characters without much remorse and that showed in the film where we had, and even in the menu, we had Anna Taylor-Joy's character who we're meant to root for. And in Smile, for example, because that's also kind of mean-spirited at times, we have a character we're hopeful to make it through that we're rooting for. Whereas Terrifier 1, I felt like, didn't give us that. It was just kind of like, hey, look at Art the Clown kill these horrible people in different horrible ways. Isn't it fun? And I thought Art the Clown was good in Terrifier 1, but the movie as a whole was just dissatisfying in that way. And I remember thinking, man, I think this movie could be really good if it had an actual final girl someone to actually guide us through the movie who we're following who we're rooting for 100 and this is that lauren lavera who plays sienna in terrifier 2 was incredible her performance was amazing her story her character fantastic i think her being the driving force of this movie elevates it so so incredibly well that i really just wish this was terrifier 1 i really just wish this was terrifier 1 because this is such a better impression of the franchise for me than Terrifier 1. What keeps it off the list proper is it's just the editing. I feel like it, it's two hours and 18 minutes, and I don't think it needed to be anywhere near that long. I think it probably could have been sub two hours, maybe even an hour 45. I'm not sure. I only edit audio, so <laughs> I've never ed edited a full film before, so I don't know. But I do think it could have been chopped up a little bit cleaner, a little bit neater, and still given us everything we needed from the movie. But it was still pretty good, and it's made me cautiously optimistic about Terrifier 3, which I was not that for Terrifier 2. So that's positive progress. And now before we get to number one, let's run down all the other movies I saw this year. This is not in a hard and fast order as like best of everything else, top, worst of everything else at the bottom, but it's more or less in order. Like it's sort of in or order, but like if you're like, wow, I can't believe you think this movie's better than that movie, I'm not I'm not married to the order of the list for the most part. So every other movie I saw. Christmas, Bloody Christmas, Something in the Dirt, Bodies, 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 Blackwood, Day of Disappearance, Bring It On, Cheer or Die, Crabs, Blank, American Carnage, Student Body, Watcher, Unhuman, A Wounded Fawn, The Passenger, The Revealer, The Invitation, Duel, The Cursed, Beast, The Northman, Speak No Evil, She Will, The Harbinger, that is the Harbinger, the, the one that's about the plague doctor and it's a metaphor for COVID, not the other Harbinger. There's two movies called Har The Harbinger that came out this year. Ditched, Dark Glasses, Nightcaller, Shark Side of the Moon, The Aviary, The Lair, Ghosts of the Ozarks, Burial, Curse of Crom, all my friends hate me. The last radio call. Uma. We're all going to the World's Fair. He's watching. The Nanny's Night. Mid-Century. Scare Package 2. Men. And Halloween Ends. Now, with all that out of the way, let's give you my number one movie of the year. Number one. My number one movie of the year is 
Barbarian. Barbarian has a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb and a 92% approval on Rotten Tomatoes. Written and directed by Zach Kreger and starring Georgina Campbell. Barbarian is about a young woman discovers the rental home she booked is already occupied by a stranger. Against her better judgment, she decides to spend the night, but soon discovers there's a lot more to fear than just an unexpected house guest. Uh, yeah. Barbarian is... It's kind of like a summation of a lot of the other movies I have on my list. It's ridiculously over-the-top fun, like Deadstream. It's a total shock and surprise, like Smile was. It's got some really interesting layers to it, like uh, Smile does. It scratched an itch I didn't know I needed itching. But after I saw it, I knew, holy crap, this is, this is good stuff. This is the good stuff we got going on here. It's really hard to talk about Barbarian without spoiling it, and I'm going to try to be vague about it. But it's a movie that... You think you have figured out, and then it just escalates like crazy, and then there's something that happens that just, bam, you're just like, what the... I literally felt like whiplash watching it for the first time. Like, holy shit, what what are we doing? Like, how, how are we here now? But it handles it all so well that it's just like, as you're going whipping back and forth from these crazy different concepts, at the end, I'm still just like, holy crap, this is amazing. I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a movie do something so bombastic and pull it off like this. I loved Barbarian. I thought it was as fun as it gets. Georgina Campbell is fantastic in this. Also, Bill Skarsgård and Justin Long are also in the movie, and they are fantastic as well. I'm not going to say any more about the plot because I don't want to spoil it. I think you should go in as fresh as possible. But Barbarian was the most surprising fun time I had at the theaters this year. I saw it on the big screen and I remember people just like, there was this weird like surprise laughter halfway through the movie. There was, I mean, all these different points where everyone, we all seem to be in that same world together. Like, holy crap, is this what's really happening? And as uh, Megan alluded to in our horror movie quiz show episode, the last episode, there's also an element of that sort of placing a person in a situation they should want to get out of, but seeing how polite they'll be, how they go along with it. There's a few movies I saw like that this year. Even like uh, Speak No Evil does it in a very not fun way, where it sort of plays on the main character's politeness. And Barbarian does it in a way that's both compelling and scary, but then becomes... Whereas Speak No Evil is like really depressingly realistic this is just like abject batshit kind of insanity I, I know people and i've even compared it a little bit to malignant but that's most just because it's a movie that kind of comes right out and is like we're taking a chance we're doing something wacky here come along with the ride or don't who cares we're going this way and I was with them the whole step of the way. Loved it. Can't wait to watch it again. And if you want to see this movie, my number one film of the year, it's available on DVD, Blu-ray, and all the various VOD sites. It's also available on HBO Max. Look at that. Isn't that fun? So let's just recap right quick, just because, I don't know, I haven't been talking enough. My voice is literally fried. But my top ten list was a ten. I had X and Pearl as a tie. Or the Midnight at nine. The Menu at eight. Hatching at seven. Prey at six. Scream at five. Nope at four, smile at three, two was Deadstream, and number one was Barbarian. Thank you for listening to this episode, my top 10 horror movies of 2022. I love getting to do this. I'm already excited. I'm already starting my big Google Doc of 2023 horror movies to watch. It's one of my favorite episodes to do every single year, even though my voice is shot by the end of them. Until then, though, uh, if you would like, please subscribe, 
rate, review, whatever your podcast app of choice is, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, uh, the works, all of the places. We hope you choose to positively interact with the show, whatever your app of choice allows, because it helps out the show. And, you know, it helps us feel good about ourselves sometimes. Uh, <laughs> you can also follow me at Professional Horror on Instagram and on Twitter at the underscore Don underscore 17. And if you have any suggestions for movies you would like to see covered on the show or guests you would like to see appear on the show, you can always email me at professionalhorror at gmail.com. So we are venturing into the year of 2023. Got some fun episodes, got some more guests, got some returning guests, got some hopefully some new guests will be appearing on the show, some more games, some more top 10 lists, and also gearing up for another installment of the Professional Horror Podcast Quiz Show, which will be a lot of fun. So looking forward to a, a new year podcast's I hope you enjoy listening to them because I'm going to try to pump out a lot of episodes this year. But until that time, until those episodes, until next time, stay scary, but keep it professional.